Welcome to the OFX Podcast. I'm Dave Claxton, and with me is the mistress of mental mindset mastery. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> I did indeed. I didn't need, because obviously you were just on with uh, Samuel Bear there, talking mindset for Spartan Canada. Before we forget mm-hmm. to, this episode is brought to you by Duonamic. Great equipment, awesome stuff. Um, and very, very soon we'll be putting out a post for a giveaway for a Duonamic setup. <laughs> one day I will learn, but it will not be today. So yeah, well, why don't we just start right prep right away? Uh, we will have a guest later on, but we'll go prep right away, and we'll talk. Might as well talk right about Spartan Canada, Montreal, going mm-hmm. to Tremblant. Are you prepared? Are you ready? What's this looking like? Uh, I'm not ready. <laughs> But that's okay. <laughs> um, this is a new venue. I'm really excited about this venue. Mount Tremblant is absolutely beautiful. I've only ever been there in the winter, so I'm excited to see it in the summer. It's a great mountain. Um, really awesome village. Very similar village feel to Blue Mountain in Ontario uh, and some of the other ones that Spartan has. So I'm super excited about the venue. Um, The beast distance is still a little bit daunting to me right now with where my training's at, but that's okay. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to get on to the new venue and just, again, it's so beautiful. So I'm just, my main focus is just really to enjoy it and enjoy the community and have a good time and get to the finish line in one piece. You know, I'm with you. I've only ever been to Tremblant once before, and that was for skiing, so it was no winner. However, mm-hmm. I am thinking probably this one of the disappointing things about being there in the summertime is normally in the winter they have this actual ice bar. So, like, yeah. the walls are made of ice and stuff, and I assume it will not be there in the summer for some strange reason. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll miss, I would miss out on that. that that's, that's, that's a crutch. But I think you're right. This might be one of the prettiest Spartan races they have yet. Yeah, it's really a cool place, and and not yeah. not really too far out of the way from like Montreal or anything like that. It's a decent distance. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about your competition for this one? Because this is a little bit different. Because it's not like last year where we had the Canadian series, so it was mm-hmm. a bit of a push. This is going to be part of the age group series, which is cool. It's great if yeah. you're in the age group and pushing for that, and all the best to all of them. But the elite series doesn't isn't happening there this year because it's all the North American series rather than just a. U.S. one and a Canadian one. So, do yeah. you know much about your competition? Who's going to be out there this time? I I have no idea, and I haven't really dug too much into it. Um, mainly just because I'm trying to keep my focus off of that, just with where my body's been and stuff since the last race, and just trying to really enjoy this one and use it as a really good training day. But I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be similar people to that were at the Toronto Spartan. Um, Again, we have a lot of our Canadians, so I'm I'm going to assume Morgan will be there. Um, Sylvie is quite pregnant, so I'm assuming she won't be there. Again, and the other Canadians, Lindsay, I'm assuming, although it's close to where she lives now, I don't think she's going to be there. So I may still be in Mexico by then. Right? Yeah, she had her passport stolen, so who yeah. knows? Yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, Stephanie Champlain will probably be there. So who was um, the back-to-back winner in Toronto. So, And as far as, um, you know, Sylvie goes, uh, not running when she's pregnant, well, I'm like, 
like Lauren did it. What the hell is your problem, Sylvie? Like step up. Come on. <laughs> okay. That's quite, I can't imagine going over a wall though, when you're quite that pregnant. I think Hold this up. Spartan scene is a bit different. Although um, Sammy Bear's fiance did it quite pregnant. Yeah. Jade. And, yeah. and I saw her there. She, not only did she do it, she did the men's weights for the bucket and for the Atlas stone. I know. <laughs> and I saw I saw her go because I was up there when she did it. She did that, and then she went over the the vertical cargo net. All she did it all. I, yeah, but to each their own when it comes to what you do when you're pregnant. So. <laughs> and 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 yes, absolutely. And I'm going to say this as well, and maybe this will poke a little hole in in, in Jade's, you know, uh, mystique. Uh, at one point, we did have to give her a ride back down the mountain before when she was videoing Sam do the race. So. <laughs> <laughs> she is human she is a human being just like the rest of us and jade is racing this weekend the super so sam told us on that instagram live we did so five months after her baby which is that that's very impressive on its own so all the best and and this might be the most talk jade has ever got on a podcast but she's amazing she's awesome i remember racing her with her at uh not with her but while she was racing we were on different teams at platinum rig 24 and she was mm -hmm. killing it there too she's and always smiling always happy out there having a yeah. great time yeah so, she's awesome they're great people both sam and jade and charlie i believe that's his name charlie, who charlie I, I, be I, there. i'm picking for picking him for the win <laughs> yeah you know what i might as well because the rest of the picks i've been making lately have been really bad so <laughs> at least this one's cuter uh, it, it makes more mm -hmm. sense so um yeah so stuck in mexico we might as well turn a bit with mexico <laughs> Yeah, I've been following along their Instagrams to see what's going on. But yeah, they had um, all of their IDs and passports and expensive climbing or, or mountaineering gear stolen in Mexico from their car. Um, it sounds like they're they're able to get across the border doing some applications, but that's a like traveling worst nightmare. I you know it's funny because the other day um, a little while back. Um, Tara Jackson, she had her Instagram account hacked and mm -hmm. someone took it over. She had to start a new one, had to go through the whole thing. And I mean, people don't realize, I think, what they're doing when they do this stuff. I think a lot of people just do it because they can. A lot of them, you know, oh, I can hack this account, so I'm going to hack this account. They don't realize how much work somebody's putting into that, right? Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I said, people who do that are the worst kind of people. They're just like the people who key cars or sit on other people's motorcycles without asking. It's just wrong. <laughs> So I, I flunked in the same procedure. And then, you know what? It's a perfect example. People who like steal passports out of other people's cars and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Race. Again, just the same type of people. Horrible, yeah. horrible shits. You know? Yeah. And just the level of inconvenience. And, and you know what? I'm sure they didn't know they were stealing until they read the passports. Who they were stealing from. And even then, they probably don't know. But they put so yeah. people put so much work into, into their stuff and work hard and they go to the, these races and this is supposed to be a good community you know whoever was that that race like this was somebody who took that was somebody at that race yeah. you know it wasn't this is not like it's in a mall parking lot and it's just some dude randomly walking by someone was there to specifically do stupid shit like this and they need to go piss off yeah possibly be beat and um you know I'm all for corporal punishment in this matter. 
death penalty should be invoked. And I'm pretty sure in Mexican prisons it might be. I have no idea. But I don't know. I don't know that. Just, but, you know, it's just shitty. It's just really shitty. I feel really bad for them. And especially, well, I mean, it was a great race for Lindsay, but it went a little south for Ryan. Yes, it did. I was mortified when I saw Ava with his spear. So what do you think? What And I've had some chat with this. Uh, I was on with Matt and we yeah. talked a little bit about this and I was very curious to your opinion. Um, so let's just put it in, there, there is this specific situation, but I think it can relate to any situation. What should be the proper procedure? And I've looked through the Spartan rule book and I can't find one. Proper procedure for a malfunctioning obstacle. There's, so there's nothing that Spartan has written about it. I couldn't find anything. It is possible I missed it, but I could not so find it. I, and again, I, so I was watching a lot of videos and it was almost all of the targets that yes. were that were broken like this. So if you haven't seen the video, Ryan throws the spear and the bottom half of the target is broken off. So he hits it and the bottom half of the target kind of shifts. And so obviously his spear does not stick. Um, he would have nailed it, no problem, like right in, if the, that bottom half was still connected to the top half. Um, but I watched other videos of people hitting different targets and all of them seem to be cracked like this. So yeah, it's definitely a fault of the equipment. Otherwise it would have been so yikes. I don't know. So I was of the opinion that, and, and again, I, I, I referred, I said this before, but I refer back to ninja competitions when, and when an obstacle malfunctions, they're prepared for this. They have listed it in their rules because we know what happens, right? That there's a few options and there would be different from Ninja from OCR. But I, so in Ninja, you can, what happens is you can wait till they fix it and proceed from where you're at, huh. or you can go back and be, and, and get rested up and retry the course again, right? So that's your option. And those really are the only things that can be. For OCR, in my mind, one, the obstacle should be judged, right? There should be someone there, whether it's a volunteer or a paid judge or whatever, it doesn't matter. But that person should be able to make the call. And it's not a difficult call. Right. It should be pretty instant. If, if the equipment malfunctioned, okay, now let's say, for example, you're on the last rope on one of the multi-rigs and the rope falls off. Yeah. Does happen. That can happen. Yeah. And the, the, the judge will have the thing they can call, okay, you know what? You were there. I believe, I, I feel you were capable of finishing it. That's an automatic clear, right? Or if, for example, let's say you're right at the beginning of Olympus and you get on there and you grab the rock hold and it falls off. Yeah. And the judge can say, okay, you know what? I, you, you hadn't gone far enough for me to allow you to clear it, but you can restart. Mm -hmm. Two simple options. And that's all it takes. And it would literally take a second to judge. It does not take time. So they could have just allowed him another throw. And then again, knowing that this is this target is broken, I mean, Ryan could probably even throw it and, and aim and hit the top part of the target. Yeah. Now, if I was judging that situation and, and having seen it, being watching, I would have been, hey, that was a good throw. It was fine. Target malfunctioned. Clear. Right. It would have hit. Yeah. It would have stuck. Yeah. And, and that's that's what I think should be in place. Maybe it's been an oversight in the past and they haven't thought of obstacles malfunctioning. This might be something very new. Um, but I have seen it in other races. I saw it at a Savage race on Torley Bird where one of the last rings, um, actually a good friend, uh, Danny Garcia, was swinging from it. 
and kakunk fell right off. Mm-hmm. So, and then in that case, they were like, okay, clear, you got it, you're good. Uh-huh. So I think that's, that's, to me, that's the method to take. And I do feel that Ryan was hosed a bit. Yeah. Well, and, and now we're, we're talking a situation where he lost, um, so money in a podium. So it really, it now matters. Big and time. yeah, this is the time when Spartan needs to look at these situations. Like there's, it's, it's different when, I mean, age group podiums are still important, but it's, there's money that's lost too. And people are investing and, um, in these races and, you know, it's Ryan's primary income. So it's, it's a lot, it's a bigger issue for someone like Ryan too, who, again, a malfunctioning obstacle and he loses a podium position. Well, and you're, and you're not just talking money from like, say, second to fourth, which is, I think, what it ended up being, probably. Yeah. Not only that, but now this gives VJ a stranglehold on the series. Right. Right? Yeah. As if, let's say, Ryan had come second, they would still be very much neck and neck. But that two-spot thing, that's a big jump. That's a big deal. And yeah. now, that so that didn't just cost him money from that race. That could cost Ryan the money from potentially winning the series. Because now all VJ really has to do is just kind of you know, if he podiums in the next two, he's going to be all right. Because Ryan also had a bad finish at slow, which would have been his race he threw away. And right. it will be, but now he's saddled with a fourth instead of a second. And that, um, you know, that it really isn't on him, but sadly he's going to pay the price for it. And that's cool. Sometimes you make these races and things come up, new rules come up. I mean, you don't think of stuff sometimes. Uh, the NHL forever uh, for example, penalty shots were always penalty shots, no big deal, you know, break or breakaways, stuff like that. And then one time this goalie, I believe he was actually in the AHL, but he had a two on O. So two skaters coming on a goalie all by themselves. Chances of making that save are very minimal. So he turned around and pushed the net off. Uh, so that causes a, a stop and play and makes a penalty shot. And the penalty shot is just one-on-one with the goalie uh-huh. and the skater has a lot more rules to follow. They can't go backwards. They can't do a bunch of different things. So it gives the advantage back to the goalie. Obviously at the time, genius as a goalie, super smart, but yet completely cheesy, cheap and wrong. So they made a rule, but nobody ever thought anybody would do that. So what uh-huh. I'm saying is Spartan may not have fore- foreseen this. It happens but at this point, rectify it, put it in the rule book so that it's fixed for next time. Yeah. And it's still a new sport. So there's these situations that are all, they're coming up and they're novel. So do the right thing, figure out a, a good rule for it. And then moving forward, this is what we do if this situation comes up. And when Spartan starts to pay me to be head of officiating, I will gladly do so. <laughs> they're not knocking on my door yet. <laughs> wait no no that wasn't i'm sorry I thought it was. my bad um so sticking again with uh, ocr2 did you catch any of the stuff even if it's just like highlights from the euros i was watching highlights yeah so um i think it was definitely ida's weekend wow she did great yes and you know again so Ida and I were both in a boot at the same time. So I watched her progress very closely. And while well, she was a little bit before me and man, she's come back with a vengeance. So double win in the 3K and the 15 and then her team podiums also in the team event. So phenomenal weekend for her. I haven't had a chance to talk with, like I mentioned 
messaged Leon a little bit, just a little back and forth. But I haven't had a chance to talk with her or Leon. I'd really like to about how they felt about this three band system. Okay. I was very curious how this worked as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, it did make it a little convoluted now. I mean, Leon, he was doing some live streaming and, and Leon will make a tractor sale sound exciting. I mean, so he, <laughs> it was great. It was all fantastic. I mean, you, yeah. you could just leave, you could listen to Leon read the dictionary and it's going to be, wow, that was the greatest thing ever. So <laughs> it's not a great from that perspective, but I would like a little more in depth, you know, as to how, how it's, how the athletes felt it played out, how it went. Um, my opinion, just starting out, just hearing about it was, it, it sounded very convoluted to me. Not not impossible, obviously, but just more complex than I thought it needed to be. So was the rules that when you failed an obstacle, you lost one band and you had three fails? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think, though, the deal was, um, and I think this happened to Leon in 3K, where he got, actually, I guess he got stuck on an obstacle and thought that the better choice would be to give up a band and go for the speed because he thought it was the wall and everybody was failing the wall. The, the big okay. wall. And he thought everybody's going to fail. So I'll just ditch my band, go for the speed. And he thought he had himself in second place because of that. But then it ended up slower people got the wall. Okay. Right? And, and then ended up bumping him back from second to 12th. So your band, the, so the number of bands you have, they're all listed first, and then it's your time. Yeah, yeah. and it sounds very similar to the system that Indy Mudrun uses. And, uh, and, and I get it, and I think, and I've said that before, that I like that idea for Indian Mudrun. And I think I like it there because it's not a championship race. Mm-hmm. I'm really torn on this because I don't know. I like, I, I'm seeing the, the, you know, I, in a championship race. And if I'm watching it, when that guy crosses the line, I want to know, okay, that guy won that guy. Like that, that's the excitement and the drama. Right. In time, I really like this where it's an obstacle course race. And if you can complete the obstacles, that should be goal. A one completing the course goal two is completing the course faster. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, it gets so tricky then because when you're in the race, you don't know if the person that's racing beside you mm-hmm. is really your competition or if they're a level down because they've lost the band or who's where. So you really kind of have to zone all that out. It takes, it's probably a lot of thinking within the race too and race strategy. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that would get really confusing. Yeah, I, th- I think it could. I mean, I'm sure I haven't heard any complaints from a, about it from a like I didn't get put in the right spot or I didn't get put in the right spot or anything like that. I haven't heard that yet. So hopefully they they did a good job uh, governing it, whatever, judging it. So hopefully that all went well, placing people in the right order. But yeah, I would Leon uh, love to talk to you again. Have you back on and talk to you about that? And Ida never got a chance to talk to you. Would love to talk to you. She's fantastic. Yeah, big fan of hers too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's kind of on me. Maybe I'll reach out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'd like to, I'd like to know more about this system though because it's it's still a tiny bit confusing to me too. But so, do you choose when you give up your band, or is is it just when you fail the band is gone? 
No, it's a multiple attempt thing. And then when so when, you could try the obstacle as many times as you want, and then you choose. So you could technically fail three obstacles. Yes. Like you have your band three times, and you'd still be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as I know, that's how it's done. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I understand, that's how it's how it's how it's done. It's like mandatory completion, and then you kind of get like three chances to to skip. So then. You could then you could also play the odds that like you pick the hardest obstacle and you just run up, give up your band, and keep going. Yeah, and that's sort of what Leon did, right? He made an attempt at it and went, "I'm nowhere near this," and then saw a bunch of other people failing it, and he's like, "They're nowhere near it either." So I'm uh, the first guy to go and say it, it, it's very similar to like the, the the woodsy strategy used to do, where you know I I know it's going to take me forever to flip this tire to my neck, in, so I'm going to touch it, do my burpees, and go. Right. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that pays off, sometimes it doesn't. The question is, do you like that strategy in a race or would you rather just see it be a mandatory completion thing or a penalty thing? It's, it's you know, it's just another option. And I think mm -hmm. for me, I'm still on the multiple attempt with a really nasty buyout. You know, what, whatever, whatever that is, a, a penalty loop, a, a carry, a flip, a, a burpees, whatever the hell it is, but a nasty buyout. Yeah. That's kind of where I sit, but again, I wasn't there, so I haven't experienced, I've never done a system like that. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, I will be doing that system and then yeah. have a better, better take on it. But it was, mm -hmm. either way, the one thing that I was though, was the obstacles mattered and they looked awesome. They looked really awesome. Mm -hmm. And that hundred meter setup looked great. Everything looked really cool. Um, and this was a federated Euro champs which is a little bit different, right? So, I mean, it, that's theoretically the, you know, this would be how you would qualify to go on to world champs if they're going to have a world champs this year because it was slated to be in Russia and we all know that that's not going to happen. So whether they are able to push it somewhere else or put it off to 2023, who knows, but this should be a qualifying thing. So yeah, big deal. It looked like great race and they looked like they did a good job. Yeah. So yeah like to see more of that um and also from the federation thing uh world obstacle has said we are combining with world's toughest mutter for a 24-hour world championship so essentially okay. world obstacles putting their stamp on world's toughest mutter saying this is the world championship for 24-hour race nice so now, I know you've never done WTM, but my, and I, and I said this before, people might not have heard, but my issue with this, my fear, I shouldn't say it's an issue, it's a fear. It's that World's Toughest Mudder is notoriously a team effort. Everybody helps each other, like Tough Mudder uh, ethos, and also known for really stupid penalties. <laughs> right? Like the dizzy bat, the find the hay, the, the army man in a, in a bale, in a hay, haystack, the rubber duckies everywhere. If they put that, allow that kind of stuff to happen for the elite pro competitive world championship wave, it will be a farce. Yeah. So again, when you're looking at a world championship, so you have to put things that are applicable to the race too. So the like the fun things that they do with world's toughest it's just not going to fly so yeah and so the run penalties heavy carries burpees anything like that where it's a bit more standardized yeah because i mean how pissed would you be if like you're running that race and you're you're fighting for podium for first for whatever and then um 
so let's just say for argument's sake, uh, Ariel comes up behind you and you're on Mutterhorn climbing over this giant cargo net and she flies by it because she did a dance for a dude back there and he gave her a golden carabiner to pass the obstacle. Is that how it works? It does some for the open waivers. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, the one year they were like literally throwing them at people and stuff like it was crazy or, or someone you could get one from a friend. Like, oh, you know, wow. So yeah, so gamified. I, I'm confident that they're not going to have that stuff for the elite wave here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm confident they're going to do the right thing and be okay with it. It's just a fear I have by them picking World's Toughest Mudder and it entered in my head. So why didn't they maybe do the Spartan Ultra? Because, I mean, you're still dealing with the Spartan company, essentially, right? So why, why didn't they do the Spartan 24-hour, which is a little more rigid in its rule set and sometimes too much to the point of 30 minutes per Miss, Bur Miss Burpee, but we won't go there. Yes. But yeah. why wouldn't they have gone that route? You know, that was just a thought that popped in my head. No. <laughs> well, like, why didn't they choose Spartan? Yeah, yeah, why? I don't know. I just kind of popped in my head. Like, why wouldn't they have gone that route? It seemed, I don't know, maybe... Maybe, maybe easier people to work with? Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. We'll leave that alone, actually, now that I think about <laughs> yeah. it. Um, so I guess the other talking point I really had was Atlas Games. And I don't know if you got a chance, because I think you were pretty busy this weekend, but I watched. I would did watch all of it. I couldn't watch all of it live, but I would, like, catch up, which is actually the best way to watch it, other than losing that experience. Yeah. But mm. uh, I caught up, and it was it was really good. It was very exciting. Um, did you? So, what did you get to see? Uh, I saw very little again, and it was really just highlights on Instagram. Um, but mainly, I just looked at the overall standing. So I was just checking to see if Carolyn punched her ticket back to the CrossFit Games, which she did. She had that last qualifying spot. So, yeah, so we're very excited for Carolyn. She's awesome, and she's going. And uh, it was nice to see uh, uh, Lexi as well get a heat win in the last event there. Which, by the way, did you see what the last event was? Is this the one that finished with the barbell snatches? No, no. This is the one that was essentially a shuttle run with legless rope climbs. Oh. And it was very quick. Like, it was, if you had a good time, like, so it seemed like, I believe Emma, Emma Lawson won that mm -hmm. one. And she was, like, just under four minutes. Um, like, Lexi won her heat around 444. So, I mean, if you put in a good time, you were under five minutes for the women. Uh, some of the men, I believe, were under under four, maybe even close to three. So, I mean, it was a fast event, but it was essentially 10, uh, 10 times you would run down the 50-foot run, 15-foot legless rope climb, back up the 50-foot run. So you did that 10 times. That's all it was in the bet. This is kind of a cool event. I like this one. Um, yeah. Maybe just a little more OCR, and that's why I kind of liked it. But that's one I'd like to try at home. But then I thought what I'd like to do with it is add instead of just running down at the one end, so you still have your rope climb, then at the other end, have like a heavy atlas ball over a bar twice. So over the bar, then you go under the bar, over the bar, under the bar, then you run down and do your rope climb. So yeah. like, that would be cool. But then if you added um, a rucksack and instead of legless rope climbs, had regular rope climbs. So you did the atlas ball. Because remember we saw in the rogue games, they had that, uh, the rucksack rope climbs and it really beat people up. Yes. So I thought mm -hmm. that would be, you know, I just, I got tinkering. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Dave's <laughs> fantasy events. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just got tinkering and thought that's, that was pretty cool. I'd like that. Either way, though, I did like that event. And earlier in the thing, and when you say snatch, um, again, in the team event, uh, Sean Fantuzzi uh, did a snatch. Boom, dislocated elbow again. No. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. This is just hashtag ban the snatch, man. I hate that freaking thing. And that's yeah. that's what keeps me from doing a crossfit competition. It's yeah. totally that left. Not that I'd be any good at it, right? I couldn't do RX. I'd struggle on some of the scaled stuff. I'm not great with Olympic weight. That one one lift keeps me from putting any interest in doing a competition. Yeah, it's so high risk again. And you're doing it fatigued. You're doing it at high intensities. Uh, there's just, yeah, with the back and the elbows and the shoulders and everything, there's just so many things that can't go wrong. It's just, it seems to me that anytime you're trying to put heavy weight on a barbell straight over your head at speed, so you're not like in a controlled slow push, the chances of one, and, and your arms are so wide on those snatches, right? So, so much pressure on your joints. And even if they weren't, even like the, the jerk sometimes, it's a big chance of that bar coming down on the back of your neck, on the back of your head, mm -hmm. more so with the snatch than the jerk. The jerk, I'm okay with, right? It's not my favorite, but I'm okay with it. The snatch one, though, I just think it's way, risk reward is just not there. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's so, um, it just draws in the spectators, like all the videos and highlight reels are always barbell snatches, but man, just the risk of that movement. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not a CrossFitter, so maybe I'm speaking bullshit and the CrossFitters would be appalled by the idea of getting rid of it. Right. But I just, I think it keeps people out anyway. It keeps me out and it's just, just scary ass crap. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, though, other than that, great event. Good, good to see a good crowd out in Montreal. Um, there were some RX1 people there too, so that was nice to see. Um, yeah, it was just, it was good. Uh, I love that you can watch these things on YouTube for free and they mm -hmm. do good coverage. And I really like that. It makes me very excited about them. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully Sean Fantuzzi, uh, American guy, hopefully he gets better quick. And, um, yeah, you know, he, he, he put out a post, he was thanking the, the medical staff and everyone that, that helped him out, but just, you know. And congrats again to uh, all the people who qualified. Uh, again, Vellner. I could have picked the top four men before the event. That was pretty easy. But the fifth guy that got in, Nicholas Joyel, uh, this is his first trip to the CrossFit Games. So I'm very excited for him. Exciting. Mm -hmm. And same, Emma Lawson just being dominant. 17 years yeah. old. She should have been in age group, but she jumped up out of wow. age group, gave up her chance to be in age group to try to make the CrossFit Games. And she's coming in after of winning the Atlas Games. Youth is killing it. I 17. I didn't realize she was 17. So it's so that's then why there was these questions presented, Carolyn, about age, because she's early 30s. Oh yeah, and the and girl then, who came second was 19. Wow. I think every other girl that qualified was like low low 20s or under, and then Carolyn is like 32. Really old 32, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> apparently 32 is old now. I'm like dead. Oh, man. 
but it, in a way though it is a credit to carolyn right that she keeps up with these girls so it just shows how much yeah. and carolyn i loved how she dodged the question though in her interview <laughs> i loved it she's like oh i balance my life well and i was like good for you yeah because yeah. Like, again an older athlete still competing in elite sometimes you line up against these girls and like man like to be early 20s again and everything but no good for her just keep crushing it as long as you can it's 32 is not that old i'm yeah. sorry but to even ask a question about her age it just still blows my mind yeah she should have she should have sucker punched him right in the throat <laughs> i know i'm glad she ignored it though <laughs> she's too classy yeah a nice person um and yeah that emma i didn't realize this she trains in cambridge oh wow yeah her end and i'm oh jack farlow i believe is his name is another guy he's training in cambridge to 19 or 20 or whatever and mm -hmm. he, he he won the uh the barbell complex event and just like right up there with some of the biggest guns and crossfit for weight at 19 years old wow these kids are killing it they're amazing mm -hmm. on the other end of the spectrum it was a swan song for my, one of my favorites sam briggs did you see her? She they they played her a, a, a nice video and everything. It, I think she actually earned a chance that she could qualify on the last chance online qualifier. Mm. But I don't know if they covered this or not. But it just seemed like maybe she wasn't going to do it or what. But they played a nice tribute video and she got a huge ovation. And I think mm. even Sam might have been getting a little teary eyed on that one. So mm -hmm. it was really nice to see. And again, dream interview for me is, is Sam Briggs. I'd love to talk to her. Oh yeah. Yeah, I admire her so much. And like I read her book and she's such an inspiration. And to still be doing it at that level um, after so many years of competing at that level is really inspiring. She's like the honey badger of CrossFit. <laughs> honey badger, don't give a fuck. <laughs> don't give a fuck. I'm just going to destroy this. Get out of my way. <laughs> just great. Mm -hmm. anyway um he started competing before emma lawson was born yeah yeah that's awesome mm -hmm. isn't that amazing yeah stuff like that that's i mean i i get that at work now where i'm i'm working with well one my own son but guys who taught me i'm now working with their sons and teaching their sons and stuff like that like it just it just tells me it's time to retire actually <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway um I am ready to get to the guest and uh, we haven't even said her name yet. So uh, we will go and this girl uh, should need very little introduction. Everybody should know her. Uh, Corinna Coffin, TMX champion. Yes, I get to see TMX, see, say TMX and talk TMX with, with Corinna. So that's exciting for me. Mm -hmm. um, dietitian, nutrition, that kind of stuff, as well as just overall killer hybrid athlete, mm -hmm. Spartan stadium superstar. I don't know. Always wanted to talk to her. I'm very excited. So, Corinna Coffin. Oh, that's such a nice picture. <laughs> it's like smiling and happy. Oh, oh you missed it. You missed it. What I miss? You no, know, not you, my wife. You had such a nice little picture on your screenshot as you come on. It's like a nice, smiling, happy picture. She tried running to see it, but the real <laughs> is here now. So, oh, well, Let's hopefully go. this one does. Um. <laughs> How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Where are you guys? Where are you two based out of? We're um, just east of Toronto in Ontario, Canada. 
Cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, it's been, I've met, I've met you guys in person or not. It's been, it's been a minute. If so, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think in person so. we've ever officially met. We may have, I'm trying to think if we may have chatted somehow through Matt's show or not. I don't know. Huh. You never know. And I mean, you meet so many freaking people in this thing that you haven't sometimes, well, I mean, I, I would remember meeting you, but you meet so many people like, and you know, especially strange looking bald dudes where a diamond doesn't <laughs> honestly oh uh, well you guys have had quite a quite a span of guests on the show so i appreciate you guys having me and asking you know what's funny is you were one of the ones actually right in the beginning that i wanted to to reach out to and then things always just kind of happened because like i have the question for you that i ask of a bunch of people is can you bring tmx back <laughs> I wish there was a lot of things I wish you could bring back. Those were some good days. <laughs> that was still my favorite event. I love that thing. Maybe that's where. Maybe that's where we might have seen you because you were in Miami for that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I was down there for that one. I actually got down and got to do it. Um, yeah, that was fun. I feel like it would be so popular now too because it's like the hybrid hybrid space is like blown up, you know. So mm-hmm. I just feel like it would be well-received again, but well, maybe, maybe Spartan will resurrect it. We'll see. Well, you were hybrid before hybrid was cool, right? Like now cool <laughs> right, I'm OG. You got to move on now to something else. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, if, in case anybody doesn't know, it's Kernikoff and you, you should have known whatever. I don't know what you were paying attention to. Um, you've been doing like, and, and I know that Bethany's got a lot of kind of uh, dietitian and nutrition stuff to talk about, but I have much more frivolous things to ask. <laughs> um, uh, you've been in a ton of different stuff this year and kind of all over the map ranging like i mean you did the spartan games you did the um the go ruck games you're doing tactical stuff now you did your first deca um all that kind of and, and of course high rocks as well so it's almost it's almost confusing where to start i think i think i actually want to start with spartan games all right because that that was a big one for you and you were in the first one and you were in this one so let's just Start with a simple question. How do you feel one and two kind of compared with each other? I thought that they took, I thought that they did a really, I, I know from a production standpoint, it was a little different watching a second one, like from a viewer or spectator standpoint, I've gotten a lot of feedback that like season one was cooler and they did a great job with the production. But I will say from an execution and event standpoint, season two was like they took great elements from season one and kept them and then incorporated a bunch of new stuff that I thought was um, really creative. And of course it was, you know, at, on another mountain, but at altitude. So you had that uh, thrown in, but I thought that the air force special warfare recruiting that was um, the sponsor, I thought that added a really cool component with both the tactical event on the last day and then the military's test on day one that really kind of shook things up from the get-go. So, um, and then they condensed a lot of like, you know, we the longest event was the half marathon as opposed to doing like the five and six hour grueling halls with mountain biking and running. So I personally appreciated that, <laughs> but not <laughs> the super, super long stuff, but I felt like the results still panned out on those longer running events. I felt like the results still panned out as they would if they had been extended several more hours or miles. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't see even on like, what was that where you, you had the, 
the ruck bag or the weight, the weight vest for the first, uh, oh, yeah. first, was it two miles or a mile of the, yeah. Yeah, of the half marathon? And then the rest, you, I think you're right. I don't think it would have turned out any different if you had stretched that out over four yeah. or five hours or whatever, it probably would have been the same thing. Um, just would have been a lot harder on you guys for the next day. Right. Which was a huge element in the first, in the first Spartan games. Cause day three was the, was the ultra and day two was the, was the mountain biking day, day three was the, the six hours of running. And so by day four, it was just like, who can walk? Like who can muster up any type of like, I mean, it, it was really a matter of like, can I even move in the way that I'm being asked to challenge my body in this, in this, like the last day running up the mountain in the cold, in the rain with the weight vest on like super tender body parts and limbs. Like that was a big, that was a big struggle. It was like one of those, like, Hey, the start line goes off. You didn't do anything to warm up. Cause you're just like freezing in the rain and everything hurts. And then somehow three, two, one go. And you're able to do things that you never thought you could. And then you go back to hurting and then the next event then the next event. So there was a lot more hurt in the first Spartan games. Um, but I felt like the second one kind of covered a whole, a, a range of a lot of different things that um, maybe weren't in, weren't part of season one that I enjoyed. Through, through the whole thing, through Spartan games, there was, I mean, there's a little bit of controversy every time Spartan does anything. I mean, they, you know, they can't put an Instagram out without some kind of controversy happening from it. You, I mean, there was, like I said, there was the bit with Lindsay in the first event where she skipped the sled and, you know, that kind of thing. And then there was the, do we have to go in the water? We shouldn't have to go in the water if we've already failed out and all that stuff. Somehow you seem to manage to steer clear of everything. And you're kind of like, and I used this term actually earlier for Sam Briggs, is you were kind of like the honey badger of the event was like, oh, honey badger, don't give a fuck. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> and how do you steer clear of all that? How did you, how do you keep your mind in that game without getting sidetracked with all bullshit. Yeah. I think that's just my style is like, is whatever, like we signed up for this event to do whatever was thrown at us and, you know, just roll with the punches. And I feel like that style of athlete is going to do well across the board in a lot, a lot of different disciplines and events because you don't, you know, my, my first instinct is not to like put up a fight. It's just to like, all right, Hey, I got to be prepared to do this. And I try to be really versatile like that in all my training and how I approach all different types of activities. So yeah, for me, it's like, you know, I don't cry about it, just figure out a way to work with it. And I also feel like I train myself in a way where I don't feel like I need to like, I don't, there's no fear in, or there's fear, of course, I'm scared like of a lot of stuff that I'm um, being asked to do, but it's like, I can also trust that I'm, I've trained myself in a capacity that I think I can do what's being asked of me. It's the person to my left and right is being asked to do it too. Like, why shouldn't I be able to complete that as well? Not looking for the, a hole or the scapegoat route. Um, like some, like some individuals and I get it. Like, you know, that wasn't too Lindsay's strengths and she's a competitor and she's going to look to win, um, in the best and most efficient manner possible. And so it was smart. That was more on Spartans end for not coming up with a better time penalty. Um, but at the same time, like that would never, like the thought didn't even cross my mind until we all saw her do it, it was like, 
I was not thinking about like how to complete this as quickly as possible. It was, how do I get the job done? How do I get it all done and do it in as quickly as possible? So yeah, like that approach just didn't cross my mind. You're probably one of the most versatile athletes in the group though, too, just when you look at your background. So you do have an endurance background and the CrossFit and the hybrid racing. And um, although these events really did suit ultimately, I think to Ryan and Lindsay's overall strengths, um, if they had moved a little bit more in some of the strength components, do you think the result would have been a little bit different? Well, I think we have to, we can't, we can't forget Lauren Weeks. Like she, she, Lindsay and I had a great battle for the first Spartan games and, um, and Lauren was still right there, just like, just in the shadows. Um, and, and it's funny cause Lindsay and I just have completely different strengths, uh, we're completely different athletes. So, but, so it was kind of funny or it was fun to like have the two of us finish first and second, but then this past year. Like Lauren was incredible to watch because she is everything that like in so many ways, the fact that she can even hold a candle to Lindsay's running ability, yet be so strong and such a good swimmer and lifter and, um, and sprinter, like, and you know, all these things wrapped in one, like she was really, she was just amazing. So, um, you know, I felt like day two was a lot of running like we had the spartan cross which was nowhere near the same style of spartan cross as it was in the first spartan game so i was disappointed about that it just felt like easy obstacles and running a bunch of laps up these mount like hills not mountain but like on the side of a mountain and i was not feeling it. like there was no way as like a, even a there was no like need to be super obstacle proficient to and a dunk yeah. wall doesn't belong in Spartan Cross. Yeah, a barbed wire yeah. wall, a dunk wall, a cargo climb. like that's some Tire good. flips and sled drags and some harder yeah. obstacles. Good yeah, team. I remember like Spartan like season one, you'd finish a lap and be like, I don't even know if I can do the monkey bars without my grip giving out. Like this is going to be interesting. And there were a lot more fails and whatnot. So that was disappointing. But then, you know, then doing the half marathon run and then, you know, having the pacer test, like those were all like, and the mile and a half run for the past test, like there are definitely some running heavy elements to the Spartan games. And, you know, I think if they're trying to find the most versatile, like endurance athlete, then that deserves to stay there. And I just got to, you know, get faster or um, if I want to do better in those areas. But Lauren was just so amazing. The fact that she and Lindsay had like the same mile and a half time for the past test. And then, um, and she, you know, won the DECA, the DECA strong event. And she came in like second on the half marathon. Like, it's just like, she's, she's just incredible. Yeah. We've been convinced that like the COVID break that brought everybody down actually gave Lauren superpowers because <laughs> she just has been on this, on this roll since then. It's yeah. just been unbelievable. And she she very much listens to this all the time. So hi Lauren. So we're allowed to uh, to kiss a little ass with her. That's okay. <laughs> and and uh, motherhood will probably just be another superpower on top of that. Um, not calling that easy at all, but I feel like she's gonna come back. She's gonna like step back into the competition space after having this baby because clearly it hasn't stopped her in, in <laughs> right journey. Well, we we talked about it when she was on here last time. And that kid's got no excuses for anything. Yeah, right. Gonna have to do everything. Like, there's I, nothing like. 
I did this when I was pregnant with you. I did this. I did this. I have no excuses for nothing. I've already done this before. Why aren't you acting like it? <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. So you went from, we had that, and then something very similar-esque, you went to the Go Rock Games. Mm-hmm. Now, and how, how did you compare those two? Because, and, and I'll be straight out, a lot of athletes had much higher reviews of the Go Rock Games compared to the Spartan Games. How did it hit you? I agree. Like, I think that there was so much that I loved about the Go Rep games in terms of just the execution, the, the manner and the professionalism in which they ran the events. Like there was never, like they clearly thought out everything um, for this event. And again, mind you, that was like, it's two days versus a four day event like Spark's putting on. But, you know, when, when you're told like, you're going to do X, X, Y, and Z, and here's the rules, and this is the point system, and this is how we're, um, you know, this is how we're judging everything. It leaves little room for controversy or for people to open their mouths and to complain and to argue with points. And I just felt like they did a good job just from the get-go being, here's how it is, take it or leave it, pay attention to us. Like, they commanded respect from the get-go, and I think that's from that military kind of um, – you know, the, the cadre, the staff, and kind of had that, like, you know, that military style approach to their events, because they are, you know, based off of, you know, that, that Go Ruck events are very much, you know, integrated with military, the military lifestyle. And I just thought they did a great job with organizing all of us and kind of running the competition as as it should be and covering all the bases and having a judge for every single person. Like that was key too, because I think with Spartan, sometimes like people, you know, cut corners here and there because they don't like, you know, we don't have the judges sometimes, or they don't have like the eyes on and like not everyone's on the same understanding that this movement is performed this way and no reps will be called out or we will ask you to turn back. And I just like, I, I feel like their integrity, like they kept that very strong all throughout the, the competition and then the events were just like were, were the events were super fun they were diverse um you know we didn't know what to expect they kept calling us back up to the stage to get briefed on our next event and it's almost better that way because I feel like there's a lot less controversy because I mean you have to answer questions but at the same time it's like like okay this is what we're about to do and we're starting in five minutes so like you don't have the whole night to think about something and come up with x y and z excuse it's like here here's what it is we're gonna do it and we're going to do it now. So, and there were hiccups for sure, like their first event, but, um, or things that I would have done differently, but at the end of the day, it was just really well run. And it was just a high level of, um, competition too. That was there. That was nice to see. You're one of the people who actually seemed to get excited for like the wrestling in the Spartan games. (laughs) And then you didn't get to take part with the grappling and the go rock. And I've actually, I've been on the other side of the fence publicly just because I'm more with the, believe it or not, with the go rock, just because of some safety issues that I think could have been addressed. Disappointed you didn't get to take part in that? Oh, yes. A hundred percent, Dave. I was so bummed. I, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, I got out on that top, the final eight and I went up against Sarah Water or Rachel Water, sorry. And um, we were just a good matchup for that event. The hard part about single elimination is that, especially in, in a competition where it's not like 
tennis, for example, where it's like you're playing tennis and, you know, you start at 36 and you get down to 12, 24 and then 12 and then six. It's like, and you're just playing tennis. Like this is one event. Sorry, my air fryer is going off in the back. <laughs> um, one event, you know, it, one event is X and then the other event is Y and the other event is Z and they're totally different from one another. So when you have a top eight and now you have, and this was shown in Alyssa Holly's uh, outcome, like she was ranked first. She'd done really well in all the previous events. And then one gets paired with eight in an ideal scenario. One is a stronger athlete than eight because that's how the ranking is but the issue or what you kind of not not really issue but what you come up against is that now you're doing a completely new type of event because that's they're testing out all different types of events so now eight could be better than one at that like that ranking is doesn't really mean anything and so you got some really good matchups for that obstacle course sprint with the sandbags and then you got some matchups that like weren't so great, um, regardless of where that all stacked up. So I felt like it was a little bit of, you know, luck of like who you faced off against, not necessarily ranking you in the order of like, you know, the better athlete, just like you were the better athlete for these four events that were prior to this. Um, so, you know, I got matched up against Rachel. She was a great matchup. I ran out of steam on those, you know, run, carrying those sandbags. I underestimated the, I thought they would be heavier and weigh her down, like, you know, and, and hold her up a little bit more and they didn't. So I was, you know, just trying to play catch up at the end. So knowing, seeing, watching the, the next two events after that, knowing that they would have been great events for me, I was, I think that what's, that's what honestly hurt the most was like, damn, I, I know I could have done really well in these two, but I have to sit and watch on the sidelines, but the wrestling did look really fun. I mean, Sure, I'm, I'm sure there's definitely better steps they could take for next year, um, but I do hope they keep that because I thought that that was a really cool element to the competition that you don't really get to see. And I think it's a great skill to have or to be proficient in at least, you know, at least the basics. But personal opinion, I know that that's... Uh, no, actually, I see, I, and I mean, you you probably haven't heard what I've gone off about this, but I agree. Like, I'm a, I was a martial art instructor for years. I was a judo instructor. And um, so I, I do have a good basis. I enjoy a great grappling match. I really do. Selfishly, I would have loved to have seen you and Katie Knight go at it. I think that would have been a fantastic matchup. But my, my deal was, was there were people going into it who were completely unprepared, who had no idea it was coming, right? Now that people know it's a possibility, I'm okay with it. Because you're going to go, people are going to go into the second one knowing it's a possibility. Fine. You know what you're getting yourself into? Have at it. That's cool. It's just to surprise some people with that, that, you know, perhaps we're completely not prepared for it. I mean, it, I think it definitely was rough on Chris, for example, and uh, stuff like that. Anyway, but but to be fair, she has competed in wrestling. Like she did the Spartan Games with oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like the final, the top four guys and girls, and maybe it was again, maybe it's a little bit of luck that like everyone in there seemed to be a okay. But there wasn't like someone who was just maybe not a okay. And some of the matchups were. Very <laughs> But it's like, you know, they were good sports about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to like necessarily everyone, but um, it just, it, it seems like a lot of them had experience doing that. Like Mac, Hunter, Chris, Matt Kempson. So I felt like at least the majority of that, those top four on each side kind of were up. And none, and none of them are going to back down. They're just not those personalities, right? No. 
so this might feed into some of the stuff that Bethany would know more about than me and my QAnon over these multi-day events. You know, I, so when I go race, I'm generally a sprint guy. It's like a, you know, a 30 minute effort and then I gorge myself and I'm done. But for these, you guys, you're doing multi-day stuff, multi-events and every day. How do you keep your nutrition going? How do you stay on top of that? Yeah. And honestly, that's such a big, such a big piece of the equation because, you know, you've got multiple all out. I mean, all these events are all out and potentially short, potentially longer recovery times in between. And so you have to like that time is of the essence with refueling, both from a recovery standpoint from the earlier event. And then obviously like refueling to be able to execute in the next event. And then not only that, but making sure you're not in a caloric deficit going into the second day, going into the third day. And we all know competition kind of totally messes up your appetite and stomach and you're riding these highs and lows of like, you know, um, adrenaline rushes and then immense periods of just like these big crashes with fatigue. And so like, honestly, I was walking around the venue, like I always had some sort of food in, in hand. It was like, like I was known to be, have like the PB and J's. I was sitting in a house and like we went to the grocery store and I was like kind of put in charge of all the nutrition stuff and making, you know, breakfast and making a bunch of pancakes in advance to bring with me. But like, you really don't realize until you've maybe done it a couple times of just like how much you need to stay on top of your nutrition or else it's going to catch up to you very quickly. And I just knew that like for me and for a lot of athletes there, it just needs to be about like eating that you can't, you're, you're, you can't overeat on those weekends. Like it's almost impossible. And just trying to make sure like every moment that you're not, uh, you know, you're not sleeping or showering or mobilizing, or maybe simultaneous simultaneously as you're mobilizing. And then when you're not competing is like, how can I get some sort of hydration, electrolytes and, you know, carbohydrates in me? And so it's a, it has to be a conscious effort and it's hard. Like it is tough. Um, but yeah, I was like, I think I posted some Instagram stories of like me eating pancakes in the shower. I was like, you gotta, gotta get it somehow. I was so tired and so nasty from the run. And I just wanted to get in bed, but I was like, I gotta finish these pancakes. So, uh, so they became shower pancakes. So are you just trying to maximize food intake or do you try to keep a certain level of caloric intake or carbohydrates? Are you counting or are you just maximizing? Yeah, I'm not counting on competition days, especially. And I, and I never really recommend that for, I mean, you can do that in advance to kind of get an idea of like what you need to be consuming to meet certain numbers if you want. But for the most part, it's like, again, like I said, the more the the more the better in a four day scenario like this. And again, for in situations where if you're working out or competing for most of your waking hours um, and you're already experiencing appetite suppressing effects from a lot of those high intensity and competition kind of mode um, events, then you're just more mostly at risk for under fueling. Like that's the biggest thing. Like you can have perfect proportion of macronutrients, but if it's not enough calories, it's not enough calories and it's still going to be, it's still going to negatively impact your uh, performance. So yeah, for me, it's, so I put all my efforts, like you can put half your or some of your effort into, <laughs> excuse me, tracking. And then on top of all the other things you need to do on a competition day, or that effort can go into, you know, making sure that you're 
you're, you're fueling, you're, you're preparing food for, um, to take with you to the events, you're keeping a cooler, you're going to the grocery store as needed. Um, so I'd much rather put my energy there instead of. So you're saying you're, you typically don't recommend counting at all. So when you work with your clients, do you do like macro counting? Yeah, I don't recommend counting on days of competition unless that's pre-planned, which again, like that's pre-planned and having a nutrition game plan for a race day is a, is absolutely a great strategy, but that all needs to be done in advance. I wouldn't recommend like, you know, I wouldn't recommend being on my fitness pal on your competition day for all that. So yeah, I think it depends on the client. Um, some individuals, if they have a poor history with, with tracking numbers and, and macronutrients, um, or at least they, or, or depending on the method of tracking, like I'll adjust that we'll, we'll, we'll find a good solution for, or a good method depending on the individual. But a lot of my initial coaching with individuals starts at, you know, foundation level of understanding our food and the components of those foods and where, you know, what purpose they serve in our performance and, you know, health and muscle, um, muscle building or maintenance or fat loss, depending on like what their specific goals are. So I definitely want individuals to understand, you know, components of food, why they're, why they're important, what purpose they serve, and then how that reflects in their food choices and their intake for the day. So a lot of that does come, have, have a, um, you know, tracking can give us a lot of that information and give us that understanding and awareness and tools for the toolbox. But then the end goal is to be able to step away from that and feel like you can still, um, you can still consume food to meet your nutrition needs without knowing exact numbers. Like I, I like to keep it away from the counting um, when we get to a certain point of understanding. Yeah. I, I'm very similar actually when I work with my clients too. And I always, I tell them, so get a good idea of about where you're at and then let the numbers go. Cause I think one of the most destructive things we can do to the mental state side of eating is when food becomes numbers instead of food. And, uh, so yeah, I'm with you there. So know the numbers and then let it go and just use it as a guide. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, number, and, and again, like it is so hard to, you know, even when you're working with a dietitian or a nutritionist, like it, it's so hard to know exactly what your needs are on a numerical basis every single day. So instead it's like learning, like just having that better understanding, having awareness of what, you know, your body, the signals your body's giving you, then what, you know, based off of, you know, recovery and, and recovery nutrition and pre-workout nutrition and just sticking to a good consistent eating schedule throughout the day, like that can, that can work wonders for people that without even having to know numbers at all. So mm -hmm. I agree. it's all going to be very, so individualistic, right? Like you say, like, I mean, it's no different. I look at it no different. And I mean, nobody's going to turn to me for nutrition because quite frankly, when you say you can't eat enough over an event like that, I would consider that a personal challenge <laughs> and just go at it. But it's got to be very individualistic when you work with people, because like, just like training, it's like, yeah, there's some ground rules that, that are the same for everybody. But then from then to fine tune it is so individualistic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that must, again, get frustrating sometimes when people just come to you and say, blanket advice, what do I eat? You know, Right. 
or the DMs. Like I love when people message me and have questions for me, but to an extent, it's like, I, unless we did a full blown consultation, like I, I not sure, like I can give you some general advice, but again, like I, the reason why I do one-on-one personalized nutrition program and probably for you too, Bethany, it's like, it's because like that one-on-one aspect is so important because you're trying to help someone work within the constraints of their schedule, their routine, their goals, their family life, or working around like significant others or their job. And like, that is all that's going to look completely different um, compared Mm -hmm. to the next person. And so that is all very important for um, creating a game plan that's going to work that they can adhere to for the long term. So, yeah. So all these general nutrition programs, like you might be saving some some money on that in the immediate future, or sorry, in like in the immediate sense, because you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to follow this template. But the ones that you're, you know, the, 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 the plans that you're going to be able to stick to and adhere to and um, use for your long-term health and performance and just well-being are going to be ones that have your individual in mind, you as an individual. Um, yeah. Do you find then in your profession, because again, you're talking still like a lot about the food itself. Do you find you end up doing a lot more counseling with the emotional side of eating? Oftentimes, yeah. Because I mean, there's so much, as you know, like there's so much that is that there's so much that goes into our food choices, right? And like, and a lot of times, you know, that's it's dependent upon our mood or some things at work or social life or, you know, what you've got going on emotionally. If you're injured and like your state of mind being an injured athlete when you're used to being healthy and running around everywhere. And so it's like, there's so much that plays into our behaviors, our decision-making, why we, why we eat or don't eat and, and when. And so, yeah, it really has to be this that's why it's so important for it to be in individualized is that there's so much going on for one person that you have to kind of tap into. You can't just tell me about your nutrition and expect me to be able to help you um, with your, with all of your nutrition needs. We need to just take a step back and look at like what's going on in your life. Like what are, what are these, what are all the things that are impacting those areas for you around food? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You end up becoming like, it feels a little bit like a counselor at times or, um, you know, just like kind of like a life coach. Cause there's so many areas that like, if you worked on that, then maybe the, your, your outlook on nutrition would be different. So. Right. Yeah. So you both kind of deal with this and I, I was always curious and I, my wife and I will be watching TV sometimes and we'll see these commercials. And I wonder, I mean, they're, they're obviously appealing to someone cause they're putting out commercials like this and they're making billions of dollars on this stuff. But how do you guys deal with, when someone comes to you and they see this, take this pill and exercise and eat a regular diet and you will lose all this weight. Well, how do you guys do with that? Cause every time I see a commercial like that, well, I could tell you to eat a slice of pizza a day, exercise properly and eat right. Otherwise, and you'll lose weight. How do you deal with people who come to you with that mindset? Yeah. I mean, gosh, everyone's looking for the shortcut, the roundabout way where they've put in the least amount of effort. Um, <laughs> To get to where they want to go and I think you know that one because because I'll take it <laughs> the biggest I think like in everyone's head like right away they just need to accept that there is no shortcut there's no there's no expedited process and there's no one magic food or pill or supplement that's gonna that's going to be that magic fix it's it's a it's a whole lifestyle approach it's it's nutrition 
it's fitness or it's exercise, you know, has, you know, there's components of, of just movement in general that are going to help you get to those goals. But we're, we live in the Amazon prime, uh, <laughs> um, what generation, I guess, where, you know, we can have things immediately. And, you know, this is one of the things where we just have to be consistent and put in, you know, put in the work and see that little 1% improvement every single day. And if people stick with it long enough, which unfortunately people don't, they're so quick to toss in the towel. It's like, are you making, are you doing something different now for the better than what you were doing like a month ago? And they're like, yeah, yeah, doing this, this, and this. It's like, okay, but you're not seeing like the scale change um, in a way that you want it to. It's like, but do you, but you, you, but you, and you know, and they're like, yeah, I just feel so frustrated. I'm just going to throw in the towel. It's like, how can you, how can you say that when like you're doing things completely different than when you were in the past? It's like, you're, you're not in it long enough. Obviously there's so many things that we could dive into with that, but like, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you're completely changed your behaviors and your lifestyle habits, and you can't even rationalize that you're doing something better for your body, even if it's not coming out from a, a change in the scale. But if you can't, if you, if you can't have the understanding that that's going to have long-term positive impacts, then you're missing such a, like, you're missing such a big portion about just like, you know, health and nutrition and well-being. Like it, I hate, you know, when people just hold their self-worth and, and their progress in the number on the scale, it's just, it's disheartening because there's so much going on that we can't necessarily pinpoint just from, just from a number. Um, yeah, it is, it is the most frustrating part, I think, is that people just want to see like the outside change. And so like you too, I, I, I remind them so much about the things that they can't see, like, you know, in, internal inflammation, like, do you, you sleep better? Do you concentrate better? Can you, are you doing better at your job? Like all of these things, when you make lifestyle changes with food and exercise, they're really positive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that any number has changed. And I always say your weight on the scale is just the amount of space you take up on the planet. So why are you trying to always constantly be reducing yourself when all of these things just really add, um, add to your life and you're, you're a better person because of it. And you're a healthier version of yourself, regardless of what that number says. So trying to keep taking it away. And I, I really don't personally focus on weight at all. Um, I use all these other factors to help people focus away from the scale entirely. And yeah, and like you said, they're like these programs, the 21 day fit fix and these six weeks that are just so destructive to the industry because nothing, nothing significant happens in that amount of time. We're talking years. <laughs> Yeah. And I have, I have a minimum time. I have a minimum commitment for my coaching program of four months because, and that's even on the low end range, because if anyone's coming to me looking for, you know, the, the quick fix approach, they either one don't really need my services because maybe they only need to swap some things out here and there. And like that might be done with an initial consultation, but I don't, I, I'm working with individuals who are looking for a long-term approach to their health and nutrition um, and, 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 and I, I, I don't promise anyone anything in, in 30 days and 60 days. So I'm not going to create a program based around the, the short term, especially because it takes a long time to build habits and, and implement changes around your lifestyle. Like that's not something like, you know, 30 day program is just long enough for you to 
get sick of it and then can't wait to like you can adhere to it just long enough and then after those 30 days you can't wait to get back to your old you know way of your old habits so habit breaking and habit building takes all mm-hmm. take the process it takes time i find that one that scale can be a great tool and can be just a horrible horrible thing for people so generally i'm i'm, I'm kind of with bethany is like just get rid of the scale and there's so many other ways to, to feel better about it but also do you find and i would have to assume that you do that so many people start and quit quickly because they put the unrealistic expectations of themselves of that speed like i see the guy on tv he lost 150 pounds in six weeks or whatever the hell he did and what i think people need to learn is that or i i have come to the understanding that generally quick gain means quick loss. And if you got there really fast, it's probably not going to last for you because like you say, it's not a a sustainable lifestyle change. It's usually just a massive caloric deficit where, you know, you you can't function. Do you, you know, do you find the same thing that 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 happens to people? And then what will happen is they'll have a little hiccup where they'll have one bad day where they eat, they will eat bad or or, or they'll stop training when they were supposed to train and they'll be like, oh, I I fucked up, I quit. Mm-hmm. rather than just go, Hey, I had a bad day. I get back on the train tomorrow. Yeah. Well, that's the hard part is like, people always see the transformations, but what they don't see is either, you know, if you see the, the transformation photos, it's one thing. It's like, you know, but it, you know, and then the, the big transformation weight loss, it's like, it's not telling it. That is literally giving you like the Instagram reel of an entire process. Who knows how long that it took that person or, the extent to, you know, the, the dedication or just the extreme uh, parameters that they went to, to get to that point. And they didn't, they're not showing the, the, the six months after where perhaps that individual gained back everything and then some, or, um, you know, or work or, or just the effects that it has psychologically or emotionally or your relationship with food as a result of that process. So it's just really like, I, I just wish that wasn't perpetuated by, you know, our, our culture and society these days around health and nutrition food. Cause it's like, if it's boiling down to a photo of what someone looks like or a um, amount of weight loss, like it's just, it's sending the wrong message and um, it can be really damaging to so many people. And um, Bethany, I'm sure you focus on this as well, but like helping individuals with their relationship with their bodies and with food is like such a big piece of my coaching that I, um, you know, is always at the forefront of, of my coaching and my work with individuals, because at the end of the day, like if that's, if that is broken, then, you know, it's going to have much larger negative impacts, um, and, you know, that, that can stay with you lifelong versus, you know, working on tackling that relationship, changing your view on, on um, your nutrition and food as more of like, you know, nourishment and, a tool, you know, in some ways a, a tool and fuel to help you achieve your goals, but then also, you know, social and fun and, and, and you know, getting a good enjoyment out of it with friends and family. So there's just so much tied into food that... Um, that is important and should be celebrated. And so I just, yeah, so that, that, that's just a big piece to it all for me. Yeah. Cause you also want them to come out on the other side, um, a, a happier person as well, and not just completely miserable because they've restricted themselves for six months for, uh, a after photo. Mm-hmm. And then they're so unhappy 
that like does it does it even matter what that number is on the scale anymore because you're just so miserable um so learning to fall in love with healthy eating and exercise so that it will actually stick with you so that they don't necessarily need people like us holding their hand all the time to stay committed because they've learned the benefits are so much bigger than just um that that photo or the numbers on the scale Absolutely. yeah 100% on that i think I think back to when they had that biggest loser show and how many, how many people that thing damaged, not just that went on the show, but that were watching it thinking, this is how I get healthy. This is how I get in shape. Mm -hmm. and, and just people still seem to think that's the way to do it. That's the way to go. If I just, I can, I can yeah. just crash or diet. Or the, or the reverse with, um, which is even, you know, more damaging is like the comments about people who are, skinny or look fit but they've uh, they've to get that way they have they have been doing super restrictive or extreme um behaviors to get to that point and now they're being complimented and celebrated for that and you see that a lot with like eating disorders um but then also like even like, you know the bodybuilding community or like the competitor or the figure bikini kind of um competitions like i just feel like that is such a tough um I, I, that's just such a tough cycle to be in where, you know, you are, you know, you look a certain way and you're celebrated on it and you're like, and, and, you know, you feel great in your nice little photos for a fraction of your year. And then the rest of the time you're like dealing with, um, you know, a, adrenal fatigue and maybe liver dysfunction and, and weight gain and, and this, this binge and purge kind of cycle. And it's just like, it's just really sad to me. So I just wish like, I, I just wish that people were more mindful of um, those, those comments and, you know, that we just kind of, we, I don't know, just, just raise more awareness around that. And I think that there's some individuals who are doing a good job of, of bringing that to light um, on social media and in our communities, but um, yeah. That's a really tough one too sometimes because I mean, people who are giving some people compliments, they're trying to be nice, right? They're not trying to be hurtful at all. And you, you get to the point now where you're like, oh, you know, and I'm there, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost terrified to say anything. <laughs> like, you know, I can, I can say a lot of weird crap on here and do whatever, but when it comes to actually talking to somebody about how they look or what they're doing, it's really tricky now and it's scary. But I do like seeing stuff like what Tara Jackson does and she's putting out just like how, how, much better she feels she looks and acts and feels now that she's living healthy and not just trying to be skinny and things like that and yeah. I, I think it's really good I, I look at people like like yourselves and her and I have a 21 year old daughter and I just think those are the people that I like to try to promote as good role models for her and have since she was a kid because you know living a healthy lifestyle and not focusing on, on a scale or even you know your waist measurements or whatever so mm -hmm. hopefully you guys are winning that battle yeah. Well, and I think that's why performance is such a great indicator of improvement and progress. And those are great things to chase for, for, for anyone. Um, you know, when you have something that you're working toward, you're actively pursuing it. Um, like that's, it's just, you're able to monitor progress and it's a much, it's just a much better data point than, you know, then a number, a look, an aesthetic, because and then your head's in the right spot of like, okay, well, how do I, you know, in terms of fueling, it's like, okay, well, how do I fuel better? How do I change up my nutrition to help me achieve that goal instead of 
thinking mm-hmm. of food as like this hindrance of like that that's that's trying to make you fat and you're just trying to do everything you can to like fight against you know maybe your your hunger or what your body's signaling to you so I feel like that's um I, I really enjoy working with individuals um and helping helping uh them achieve their performance goals and chase performance goals instead of everything else that we've discussed mm-hmm. so, one more and this is somewhat away from a dieting question but or diet what dieting from a nutrition question but it's on the same realm of that kind of body dysmorphia thing what do you two particularly say to women who come to you and say i don't want to lift weights because i don't want to get bulky <laughs> yeah because, I mean we know we know the reality of it and I know the reality of it but I'm just curious how you present that to people who maybe still don't get that yeah it's that is I mean that's just such a huge misconception that is you know no matter how far along we get as a society I think like nowadays with like there's so many strong women so many strong athletes and uh, female athletes and role models out there to look up to that I think are changing that narrative for sure but I just I don't think, I don't think they realize how much effort goes into building like that lean and I'm putting air quotes, but toned look that a lot of those same women compliment other women on. Like I get that all the time. It's like, oh, you're so, you're so toned. And it's it's like, well, and and then they're also the ones maybe like not trying to lift heavy because they don't want to gain you know, they don't want to bulk up, but it's like, do you know how, <laughs> do you know how much effort I put in to try to lift as heavy as possible and always push myself? And I, you know, it, you know, I, I, I don't know that, I mean, to some people I might be really bulky, but to other people it might be like, oh, that's the toned look I want. It's like, I've been working my butt off for, you know, for the past 10 plus years to have the amount of muscle that I have now. And so I think that once, and I think it's one of those things you have to kind of experience it maybe to, to fully believe it. And I think that women who are willing to take that um, leap into the strength training world quickly, quickly um, find out or discover that that's, you know, not the case and it's empowering and it's, and it's, they start seeing the muscle definition and they, you know, and, and they're hooked on it. But yeah, it's, um, it's tough. It's, it's tough when I, if I hear the word tone, I just cringe automatically. I'm like, oh gosh, I just don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that term anymore. Like, <laughs> because tone is such a, you know, for so many people that's actually chasing, you know, strength and, and trying to, trying to put on muscle mass like that. You know, it's just so hard. We're not capable of, we're not capable of becoming incredibly bulky and it would require an insane amount of of caloric intake to achieve that so you don't just magically just grow all that muscle without giving your body the resources i i have people women it's it has gotten a lot less like i've been doing this a long time and it's so much less that women come in and say i don't want to lift heavy um because again i think with with the rise of things like crossfit um women are getting a better perspective on and more appreciation for strong looking women but I still have people come in and will say this to me and I tell tell the exact same thing like it is so hard for a woman to look bulky and like you said the amount 
of food they're eating and likely other things that they're taking women who actually get truly bulky. Um, and I said that there's just no way. And they've probably been doing it for 10 plus years. Like there's just, it's just not in most women's genetics to get truly bulky They're They, and if they lift heavy, they're going to end up with the look that they want anyways. And I also explained to them the benefits for women, especially of gaining um, more muscle tissue and then resistance training on connective tissue and increasing, helping with their bone density and reducing risk of osteoporosis and all these other benefits of lifting to kind of shift them away again from like, I don't want to get bulky. Yeah. But like, believe me, there will be plenty of time for you on your way to getting bulky. If that's what you feel like you're on that <laughs> trajectory, we can cut that. Like you can stop at any time. It's not going to be like today I'm this way, but tomorrow after lifting these waves, I'm bulky. It's like, it's, absolutely a process to even get to building, you know, lean muscle mass on top of what, where you're currently at. And so it's like, we could, we can certainly address that as if, if you feel like you might be starting down that path, or believe me, that, that might be a long time. And I think you're going to really enjoy that path once you hop on it. So. Yeah. so the moral of the story is you will not accidentally get CrossFit thighs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, happen, doesn't happen by accident all right um i'm gonna step a little bit away from that for a bit because there's a couple of, of different events that i wanted to talk to you about um and it, it has to do almost with the relationships as well we're talking about relationships with food and, and, and diet and nutrition but i want to talk about your relationship with high rocks when high rocks first came out and they came they came to the states in miami and i was thought in my head i'm like this thing is tailor-made for corona this is this is great but you and high rocks didn't have the best start out to your relationship. We didn't. And honestly, it's a love, it's like a love hate. I feel like, um, yeah, well, the first event was tough because the carpet and my shoes and, and I didn't all get along. And for the life of me, I just could not figure out how to push that darn slut. And I felt like, you know, I felt of all the girls there on that first event in Miami in the U.S., I was like, man, I should be crushing this sled push. Um, like of, of all things I should be crushing, it would be this, not the running, not probably not some of the other stations. But um, so just to have the complete opposite happen where I was like on an ice skating rink in my shoes and um, just like I was skating on that, on that carpet. So that was a rough, that was a rocky start. And I, I think it's one of those things that because it's, because you, there's no variety in it other, like it is what it is. It's the 5k of running. These are the stations. Obviously DECA fits very similar too. It's, it's so predictable that part of me is, doesn't get as much enjoyment out of it as something else, like an obstacle course race, or uh, they got different venues. You have different venues, different types of like, you know, different layouts, um, different order of things like I like so I don't know I, I think part of me is torn on on that like whether I really want to pursue that or not because it's a you know it's also a gym-based event too like you do all of that you know you're 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 doing all I mean I guess you could do those movements outside but I have been on that track with cross my CrossFit games training where I just spent so much time in a gym doing gym style stuff. And I do a lot of my day-to-day -day workouts in a, in a gym, but I also like to switch it up a bit. Um, 
but I just don't know if I really want to commit everything to um, that distance of running and those eight different stations. Like to me, I don't know. I don't know that I get as excited about high rocks as I do like tactical games, Spartan games, um, go rug games, like kind of stepping out into other types of, I don't know, types of events. So I, I, I'm like torn. I go back and forth with it sometimes. Um, and I, at the end of the day, I really just like pursuing things I have fun with and high rocks is a type two fun that I'm not, I'm not really sure about that yet. Um, so I've done a handful of events, but I, with how much is out there in the hybrid kind of fitness community or high, hybrid fitness world, I just, uh, I'm kind of still on the fence teetering about what I want to put my focus and attention to this year and, and next year. And along the same lines, you recently did your first DecaFit, uh-huh. which again was a long time coming because on the initial announcement of DecaFit, I mean, you and Ryan Kent were the, the I don't even, for lack of a better word, the poster children. Sure. Going to be the poster children of the event. And then obviously COVID, all there's a whole bunch of different shit that went on there that you don't need to go through. Yeah. But you finally got to go into it. And how, how do you feel about that one? Because this was something that was a long time coming. It was. Yeah. And I think that I love, I, I, I mean, I, you know, in high, basically DECA is a scaled down version of high rocks. Um, but you know, the distances are, you know, and, and the movements are more like, you know, everyone, they're the same for your general, the general public as it is for the elite competitors. It's just how fast can you do it in? And it's more of that sprint distance, you know, 5k. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. It was brutal like just like you know i was like oh well it's not gonna be high rock so it'll be, it'll be more much more enjoyable the high rocks is not like an hour of going you know an hour 10 of just like selling your soul but it was 35 minutes of selling your soul and i was like damn i forgot how much those shorter um those shorter events it can can hurt so i think for me it's just you know running is is constantly a challenge for me i i, I work on it i've been working on it so hard but i also like love doing a lot other things besides running. So, you know, when you got the five miles for high rocks, you got the three miles for um, DECA. For me, it's just like, okay, how much effort do I want? How much effort and time do I want to devote to running versus all these other fun activities that I enjoy doing? So, you know, this is kind of the year I'm kind of stepping into trying out a little bit of everything, kind of seeing what really, um, you know, what, what really gets me excited about competing because I'm no longer in this volume game of like doing every single race and competition under the sun. Like I'm just being very um, selective about them because I got business, you know, my business, I'm married and I, you know, got other priorities. Um, But also I want to still compete. And so um, just kind of figuring out what it is that brings me a lot of joy and uh, checks all those boxes for me that um, yeah, that, that, that allows me to train in, in very diverse ways. So I guess I'm still trying to, still kind of feeling it all out. <laughs> so you're sitting fifth right now in that top 12 thing, which means you're qualified for Atlantic city. Is that in the plans? Oh yes, that is in the plans. And I'm excited with that because it's like, you know, I got, I got the deck of fit. We got the deck of mile. I got the deck of strong, which I still need to qualify for those other two. Um, but like that's exciting for me because it's just different, you know, there's different components to it. I love that they offer, like, honestly, I think it would be really cool for 
Pyrox to do something like that, where it's just the stations um, or, you know. I've been crying for a half rocks forever. A half rocks, <laughs> half rocks would be fun too. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited for the, the, like the diversity of athletes that brings out too. And the different, you know, also just trying to be an athlete who can compete and contend for a podium spot in all three of those. Like that's really cool to me. Um, so I'm looking forward to Atlantic city for sure. Yeah. I'm glad that they, and like with high rocks too, the timeline of it, like having the world championships in May this year, like it was not on my radar until, and I, I was kind of doing it, but like, you know, I was like, Oh, January rolled around. I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll go out and do Chicago. Why not? But then it's like, then February comes along and I'm still not in like race mode. And then it's like, Oh shit. Like May's almost here and that's the world championships. And I'm like, I don't know, like I, you know, being, I've been 10 years into competition and never have I done a world championship that early, like in May. So like, for me, it was just like, it's until it, until it came it, until it actually arrived, I was like, I don't know if like, I don't know that I'm ready for this right now. Like I kind of want to enjoy a slower start to my season um, and kind of keep, end of the summer fall kind of as my you know my my time to be at my peak that being said I know the go Games was in April um but at the same time it's almost better when it, when things are unknown you don't really know what, what's yeah. gonna be thrown your way it's like well shit everyone else is in the same boat too like I guess we're all gonna just take a deep dive and and take whatever's thrown at us um so it's different when it's just like one very specific event where you know you can train exactly for it um no, I haven't seen you really in the OCR space in a while. Um, but one thing that you really shined on was the Spartan stadiums. Mm -hmm. Is, any of those in the plans for this year? They are actually next month. So July has the, the Anaheim one. Um, it's like, you know, not too far from me. So I'm definitely doing that one. Um, and then I might look at some towards the end of the year. Got my wedding in September and other things going on. I'm traveling in August. So I'm kind of, uh, um, kind of figuring out what I can do between this month and next month and then take July or August and September kind of off. And then um, I've got the DECA World Championship and uh, the Tactical Games Nationals in November. So kind of that's what I've got my sights set on at the moment. But And, yeah. and then that might be something we have to get into another time is because the Tactical Games is something that seems to really have, have grabbed you there. And I mean, you can talk about a little bit. I don't know a ton about the Tactical Games other than seeing a little bit of it, seeing a lot of Kempson's done, obviously what you guys did at Spartan Games. And it does look really interesting. It does look like a lot of fun, but you've, you've gotten off to a really good start at that, haven't you? Well, I think part of that is I was at an event that didn't have a lot of the top contenders in this. And, and you know, it's still... It can only beat who shows up. <laughs> No one else better than me showed up on that day in that category. <laughs> but yeah, I just, from the very get-go, I was like, wow, this is everything I love in fitness, like heavy weights, some barbell stuff, the unknown. You don't know the events till like, you know, right before, you know, they, they give you a big printout the, the day before. But I honestly, I'm such a visual learner that I'm just like, oh, I kind of get the gist, but I'm going to wait till the next day when they walk us through the state, walk us through the 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 battles or the stages for the events so yeah so I um so I just had yeah I had a great first event but I was also like atrocious in some of the shooting like my pistol my pistol work needs a ton of uh practice and but it was just so cool to 
have one side of the coin where like was, was felt really good and really strong in the exercise piece. And then on the flip side, um, the shooting, I was like, oh my God, just don't completely suck. And maybe you'll finish somewhere in the middle. And so, um, but yeah, that was a very, that it was just cool to learn a new skill and, and kind of feel like a total novice in something again, and have to really work at it to get to a, a competitive level. So I've got an event later this month, like a one day skirmish. And then next or in July, I, um, I have, uh, the tactile games in Oregon. So, I'm excited to try my hand against some some of the the the, the good lady really good ladies in the sport there. I'm pretty sure Corona would love coming up and doing an RX one up here. I think that would be her cup of tea. I think yeah. I think I need to get this like we need to get this um, group of these incredible badass women to come up and we'll just flood Quebec <laughs> and they won't see what's coming and then we'll just we'll just annihilate them. We'll get yourself That's and it. Rachel and Lauren and. And we'll just go up and we'll just smoke them all. Do it. <laughs> anyway, um, that's all I got for for Corinna for today. Beth, you got anything else? No, that's great. Thanks so much, Corinna, for uh, coming on and talking to us. It's been a long time coming that we've wanted to get you on and have a good chat. So thanks so much um, for taking the time today. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And um, yeah, if you guys have some cool events coming up, let me know. I'm a, I, I would definitely love to make another trip to Canada. <laughs>